Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer again. Let's see, Mr. Mike Robbins, you want to lead us in prayer? Amen. Thank you. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. About to wrap this up after four years. <laughs> Maybe. Revelation chapter 21. Anybody remember what we talked about last time? Well, before we do that, let's read. I want to read. No matter what I say, this, what we're about to read is the most important thing that will be done in this, cl- this class. So let's read verses 1 through 8. And if we get past that, we'll read some more later. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first, first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we see this scene. Who remembers what we talked about last time? Anybody? I probably spent too much time on it, but we talked about verse 3. We've already talked about this new heaven and this new earth and what we think might be taking place there, and we went over to Peter and read about that. We talked about there being no more sea a little bit, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. John sees this city, and in verse 3 he says that he heard a voice saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and shall be their God. And we talked a little bit about who is he in that verse. And he will dwell with them. Is it God or is it the tabernacle of God? We know we talked about I won't go back through all through it. Just something that piqued my interest when I read it. Because we know if you read Hebrews that Jesus is the tabernacle of God. And so it kind of piqued my interest in that. And we talked about some other things I won't bring up. Because we may get into a conversation. <laughs> and we're going to talk about them later. About... Who dwells, who dwells in this city that John sees? And what's the earth for? And are people dwelling there? Or is everybody in the city? And if God's dwelling on the earth, has he left his abode in heaven? And all that kind of kind of comes to mind. So we talked about verse 3. So we'll move into verse 4 here. 
And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are, are passed away. Can you imagine what that would be like? The answer is no. <laughs> we, we can't. Um, you know, Job said, man that's born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. And it seems that some have more trouble than others. And you, you've probably heard, and I've heard somebody say, if you're not going through trouble now, just wait, it's coming. Be thankful now, but it's coming. So it seems like there's just, it's just full of pain and sorrow. And this world, I had, I had a little conversation with somebody last week. This world always wants to know, well, why, did, why, did God allow, why does God allow this? If he's such a loving God, why does he allow pain and suffering? What would you say to that? Makes us draw closer to him, sure. Yeah. Anybody else? Because I don't know, but if you're having conversations with people out in the world, you're going to hear this question. They love to... They, they love to shift blame. Right at the beginning of the question, they're putting the focus on the wrong one. Why does God allow this? No, we did it. Our father Abraham, uh, Abraham well, he did too. Our father Adam, he did it. And the bad things I do, it's not God's fault. I choose to do them freely. So, you know, you read the book of Job, and I think the question there is, why do the righteous suffer? That's true, Miss Piggy. And there are times, I mean, I've, I've asked that question. Why? why? God, why are you doing this? Why, are you, why, are you, why did you let this happen? Why didn't you heal this person? Why? Why let this child die at such a young age? Why? And I mean, if y'all want a Sunday school teacher who never has problems and never asks questions like that, you might as well sit me down. I, I'm, I'm going to continue to do it. I'm human. Why? It's okay to ask why, but I think when we start dwelling on that, it's when we get in trouble. Like Miss Peggy said, some things we don't, just, we don't understand. The Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, and sometimes we just have to trust that. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The same conversation I was having with somebody the other day. Talked about proving this and seeing this. And I said, I can just stop that right now. It's by faith. Well, I, don't, I just don't like that. Well, it's going to be by faith or it's not going to be at all. Live with it. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. we want to reason things out. I think that we have to understand, though, like you said, some things we may just not know. We might not understand here. I don't know that there's a scripture in the Bible that says God's going to fully explain everything to us that he's doing while we're here on this earth. We may not understand it while we're here. I don't know what's going to happen over, over there. We may not understand it over there. I don't know. Somebody says we'll understand everything. I don't know about that. 
Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But that's where trust and faith comes in. I thought about that when Brian was talking. Yeah. 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 Do you see that immediately when, now that you're your age? I just want to know because when I get there, because right now, like when I get behind a tractor and I'm in a hurry, I get mad first. And then I think, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, guys, you might have been keeping me from something. <laughs> yeah, a little practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a few years on me. Not many, but a few. So that's true. I thought about that when Brian was talking this morning. He was talking about his, some things his dad had told him. As a kid, we just don't understand those things, but when we have our own family. Some of these things start making sense, and could be. Yeah. Right. And I guess the older you get, and we're facing some of this in some of our family, but you know, the death—it's um, just a part of life. I mean, it's just—if we stay here, it's going to happen. I mean, my mom and dad will die one day. Um, I'll die one day. So there's things we just have to trust. Um, but, but here, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. I'm ready for that, but, but I don't understand it. I can't fully understand that because of our experiences here on earth. Um, but I'm ready for that. But it kind of goes back, and I guess we've talked about it before, about some of these things this study is kind of bringing out that I believed as a child, maybe, that just were not right. <laughs> like we've talked about before, as a, as, a, as a young, I don't know, man, teen, whatever, you know, you just thought, well, there's just, the way we put it now, is there's just one general resurrection. You know, everybody dies, and everybody's resurrected, and you stand before God and everybody's watching and there's this screen behind you playing your whole life. It's just, that's just not how it is. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's in some of these tracks. And, and I, I, I love tracks. I love chick tracks and some of those things. But, you know, they, they've, they've got that where everybody's watching. There's a screen behind you playing your whole life as you stand before God. He said my sins are gone. What is he playing? So that. And then these, these other things, you know, um, just little things. Nothing wrong with saying these things, but, you know, you'll spend eternity in hell. No, you won't <laughs> if you don't accept Christ. You will not spend eternity in hell. You'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. And then even kind of what we're discussing here. We'll live forever in heaven. Well, will we? We're going to live in heaven or we're going to live in this city. It's coming down to this new earth. Which one? So there's just some things that were kind of thought of as a child that may not be exactly right. And this verse is one of them. I think most people, because most people think this verse here happens when a person dies and goes to heaven. You understand that, right? You ever heard there's no tears in heaven? Is that true? 
Well, that's true. There's no sorrow in heaven. And then you kind of, now if you fully invest in that, we talked about the great white throne judgment and said that we're, we're probably going to witness that. How can there not be any sorrow in us when we see these people cast in the lake of fire forever? Are we going to be smiling and happy about that? And maybe we don't understand that just right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it leads in, go ahead. Right. Right. So, you know, maybe it's not what I thought as a child or what some people think when you go to heaven, all that's over with. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not saying one or the other. But, you know, you, then the people ask questions, well, if that's the case, what about when you see these people cast into the lake of fire? Or if that's the case, can people in heaven not see, can people see us? What can they see? Your loved ones that have gone on, what do they know about you now? We don't know that. I don't know that. Uh, we do know that we've got a great cloud of witnesses. That's what the Bible tells us. You know, cheering us on, encouraging us. Um, so we don't know. But this is where this verse comes in. When all things are made new. It's when he wipes these tears. As far as I can tell, it's when he wipes these tears away. There'll be no more death. He couldn't say that before. We just came through the great tribulation. We just came through the millennial reign. And at the end of that, there was a lot of death. They gathered themselves against Israel and God wiped them out with fire. He couldn't say that back then. But now that's over. The great white throne judgment is gone, is past. And now there will be no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. And no more pain. And then verse 5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. There's not a lot to say about that verse. He said he makes all things new. What things? All. All things. And these words being true and faithful, if God said it, it's going to happen. Mark it down. What God says will happen. And he said unto me, it's, it's done. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'll give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. This is very interesting too. We've, we, you know, when you talk about, you start talking about God and you start talking about the Trinity, you can really get in, I don't want to say in trouble, that's not what I mean. Um, I guess it's kind of like we say, it's like a flea in a yo-yo. <laughs> I mean, this is the one on the throne, right, talking talking to him and he says i'm alpha and omega and revelation 1 verse 8 turn back over that real quick it's been a long time since we read that 
1 verse 8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Um, and my Bible, I don't know if you have a red letter edition, but my, those words are red, meaning who spoke those words? Jesus. Now, I don't have a problem with this, this one in 21 being the same, but most every commentator you read says this in 21, this one on the throne speaking is God. And he says that I am the Alpha and the Omega. Well, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1 that he was the Alpha and the Omega. So which one is it? Both. (laughs) I just want to point that out so you don't get tripped up. It's fine to be both. There's a verse, I can't think of where it is because I didn't plan on saying this. There's a verse that says that, that, that Jesus sat down forever on the right hand of the throne of God. But when Stephen was stoned, what did he do? Oh, well, I thought he was going to sit down forever. <laughs> I heard one guy said, I don't have a problem with him sitting down and standing up at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's just what I was about to say. Sometimes you have to study a little bit. But you're right, we lose a lot in English. We've talked about that a lot. We lose a lot in English. In our English language, this, this Greek is very uh, detailed and particular about things. Um, there was something I talked about the other day with y'all. Um, I forgot what it was, so I better not talk about it. Um, but it was basically, oh, the doyle. We were, we were talking about doyle. And, and how that same word is used there in verse 3. That's when we were talking about chapter, chapter uh, 21, verse 3. And how when we talk about Jesus coming to earth and dwelling among us, that meaning tabernacled or a temporary, temporary dwelling. And I said I was sure I was going to find a different Greek word for this when it talks about God dwelling. But I didn't. I found the same one. And so... Some of these things you, you, have to, you have to search out and you have to study. And he's right. We, we miss a lot. But I just want to point out that Jesus is God. And so for us to even talk about some of this stuff is very difficult. Um, and I don't talk about it to try to bring about answers necessarily. It's just things that I think of when when we stu- when I study this, and maybe you think of, or if somebody will try to trip you up, I always want to prepare you for that. But he says he's the the beginning and the end. Uh, John eight fifty eight. Let me turn and read that real quick. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said unto them, uh, and this this is a this is a great. This is a great interaction between Jesus and the Jews. Um, Might be the Pharisees here, but um, they come to him and they say, you've got a devil. And Jesus basically tells them, 
that he knows God, he knows him personally, and if he said he didn't, he'd be a liar like you are. <laughs> um, I always love that. And then he goes on to say in verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad, and, and boy, that set him off. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old, and thou hast seen Abraham, and here's what I wanted to get to. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say I was. He said I am. So this I, what we, what we can't understand even about this Alpha and Omega thing, I think this is here for us because with God there is no time. There, there is no past. There is no future. There's just now. And we can't necessarily understand that, not even necessarily. We can't understand that. And so for him to say he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, well, there is no, be there is no beginning. And there is no end. So why does he say this? I think it's for us. Because I can understand that. Although I fully believe there is no beginning with God, when he says, I am the beginning, I am the first, I understand that. I can't understand the other. And when he says, I'm the omega, I'm the last, I can understand that. He bookends everything. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Um, is it Colossians that says about Jesus that he was before all things? He was before all things. And by all things, all things consist and were made by him. And then we find out that all things were made for him. <laughs> and so he's just woven throughout what we think is, is time. And, and we can't understand no time. So I think he puts this in here for us to help us understand somewhat that he was before all things he's the beginning of all things and he's the end of all things um, somehow I got in Jeremiah let's see of course everybody probably knows that the letter alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and the letter omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So he gives us a picture there of this alpha and omega. All right, verse 7. I really wanted to get to this. And we've talked about it a little bit already. So most, most everybody that's been in this class, this is not going to be any kind of trouble here. But a lot of people get hung up on this verse, and verse is similar. The one from the throne continues to say in verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, overcometh. <laughs> like I said, I probably said this last week because I couldn't, couldn't help it. But what is this? 
If you're overcoming, is this some kind of works-based salvation? Well, you know we don't believe in that. <laughs> we don't believe that the baptismal waters is what saves a person. Right? A lot of people do. <laughs> You're right. He that overcometh. That's what it says. I've had a lot of people use this verse right here for a works based salvation. Now, what do you do? Again, I don't know if you're talking to anybody. But this is one of the main ones they use. He that overcometh. Overcoming his unbelief. Okay. Not bad. Anybody else? What What is the deal with this? I mean... <laughs> well people in the world use this as an action like you continue to live right you continue to you continue to do right you continue to live right that's how they use this word overcome I mean I can't even do that <laughs> you ever made it one day without sinning one day. I don't want to look over here. There may be a few over here that have. <laughs> not, not that this side of the church is a bunch of sinners, but I sit on this side, by the way. <laughs> you ever made it one day? <laughs> I, I, I was going to get there. Yeah. You ever made it half a day? Shake your head one way or the other, Brian. I was looking at you a while ago. You ever made it one hour? I don't know. If I have, it's by the grace of God. So how can you overcome, I mean, if that's the case? Now, they're going to use this. Like I said, I don't know if you're talking to anybody. But that's what they're doing. They like to pick these verses out, maybe even pick these little words out, and they can get you... Again, like a flea in the yo-yo if you don't watch it. There's a lot of people, known a lot more than I do, that get in those type of conversations, question their faith. Before you know it, they're out. I've known some. Don't mean they're not saved. If they were saved, they're still saved. And i got some buddies that definitely don't believe that. <laughs> This overcome. He that overcometh. I mean, it sounds like a worst based salvation when you first read it. Again, our language. But if you turn to 1 John 5, 5, and I, I do encourage you to turn there, and I encourage you to mark this. Because if God ever puts somebody in your, in your path, I've had several people talk about this verse here in Revelation we're looking at. And I mean, back in back a long time ago, I didn't know what to say. First John chapter five. 
verse 5, says, Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Done. What's he talking about? He that overcometh? He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Basically, exactly what Mr. Robin said. Those that are saved. Which, First uh, John? For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? <laughs> Mark those verses. I hope you never need them. But if you do, you've got them. So is it some kind of works-based salvation? Oh, no. No, no, no. I think I asked you every Sunday, Johnny. What time do we get out of here? 10.15? Okay. Is that getting them out or five minutes? Five minutes, okay. All right, look at verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. My first thought was, why put this verse here? That was, that was my, my very first thought. I mean, we just, we, just, we just got rid of all that. We just talked about the great white throne judgment, and we just talked about there'll be no more of that. Why stick this verse right here? Anybody got any? Right. Okay. This is what happens. So are you saying he's putting this in here as a, maybe a warning? A reminder. Don't be one of these. Maybe, I don't know if that's why he put it in here or not. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd have liked it better. <laughs> I'd have liked it better if we went right from verse 7 to verse 9. But it ain't my book. He just always, God always finds a way to put that red light in there. You still have time right now. You still have time. You still have time. Don't be one of these. Don't be one. Of, that's the only thing I can come up with. Don't be one of these. Another thing I kind of thought of was, uh-oh. <laughs> but the fearful and unbelieving. So I don't know about you, but I read this one time. <laughs> and I was going through chicken but the fearful i don't think i'm a coward and the unbelieving and the abominable i'm good and the murderers i'm good and whoremongers i'm good and sorcerers i'm good 
And idolaters, eh, depending on what we're talking about, I'm okay. <laughs> and then we came to liars. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I've told many a fib. And a fib is a lie, no matter what we want to tell ourselves. I've told some whoppers, as a matter of fact, not just fibs. So what is this? It says all liars are going to have their part which burns with fire and brimstone, second death. You ever told a lie? Sorry. <laughs> what do you do with this? You're already guilty. That's right. What exactly are you? What What is your standing in Christ? Yeah. Yeah. But even now, what are you? Because, you know, when I'm reading that, I'm looking at it as, as I am now. That's right. Yes. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, I mean, it tells you a whole lot about who you are in Christ. About your standing in, in Christ before God. Um, I, I won't turn there for sake of time. We've got like three minutes. But verse 4, Ephesians 1, 4, says that you're chosen and you're holy. Verse 5 says that you're predestinated and adopted. Uh-oh. Nowadays, boy, you start talking about chosen and predestinated. Oh, my good gracious. I have never seen anything like this, this Calvinist separation that is splitting us apart. It's, it's shameful. It really is. Um, chosen, predestinated. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know what all that means. But the Bible's clear about what it does not mean. The Bible says that whosoever will may come. That's what the book says. So I don't know what all predestinated means. I've got some ideas. I'm not going to get into that now, but I, I don't. I don't know what all. Oh, go ahead. And you can get off in that too. You know, hold that. Just <laughs> that's a huge conversation as well. But that's just how I look at it. I don't know what it means, but I know what it does not mean. And that's all I need to say about that. You know what I'm talking about. Verse six says you're accepted. Verse seven says. <clears throat> excuse me, you're redeemed and forgiven. And then if you look at 1 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there because we've got, we got to quit. Uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, <clears throat> Paul talks about this list of things. <clears throat> and he's saying the same thing, really. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> excuse me, nor thieves, <clears throat> excuse me, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. That's in the past. But, there's that word, Jane. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We're not that anymore. We've been washed, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been sanctified, we've been justified. We're not that anymore. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because of our faith. Yeah. So, next time, we'll pick up with verse 9, and we'll talk about this city. And we're told some pretty good things and some things to discuss. Um, There's some things we're not going to understand, I'm afraid, about this city. But just know that I think, you know, he puts this verse in here. This verse 8 says... Just make sure. If you're not saved, you need to be saved or you won't, you won't partake in these things. <clears throat> so be sure this morning. All right, Mr. David, do you want to dismiss us?